Hello and welcome back to the Habs Puck Drop podcast. After a little bit of a hiatus due to the Canadians being on COVID-19 protocol, we're back with what's going to be a bit of a... Not only COVID-19 protocol, COVID-19 variant protocol. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's so we'll see how much worse this gets. But um, we're back with our weekly kind of recap, which we're going to officially move to Mondays now. Um, as well as this is going to be kind of a special one because we don't have much to talk about in terms of the week that was, and we don't really know about the week that's to come. We're going to do uh, a halfway point kind of recap, talk a little bit about what the rest of the season does look like. And there were two very big pieces of news in the last few days. So we're going to get to that. So, um, you know, we've got quite a bit of numbers here to look at, so I, I guess we'll just start from the beginning. Um, as it stands right now, the Canadians are 14, 8, and 9 overall. That is a 59.68% uh, of the possible points we could have accumulated. Yeah, so we have 37 of 62 possible points. Exactly. Now, breaking that down because we were curious, um, under Claude Julien, we were 9-5-4 and four with 22 points out of a possible 36. So we had about a 61% uh, success rate with him in terms of points. And under Ducharme, we're 5-3-5, and five, which gives us 15 points out of the possible 26, which is only 58%. Uh-oh. So we performed better under Claude Julien yeah. so far. Bit of an easier schedule, too. Let's be, honest, let's be clear oh, there. Yes, being yeah. fair, this is we just the of, overall That was numbers. a lot of Vancouver games um you know not many of those winnipeg games uh but still significant yeah and, and uh the, the the pool is big enough i mean like we're talking 13 games for ducharme now and uh you know julian had uh um, 18 18 yeah so it's close enough that we can make a fair judge you know it's not a big difference but it is a significant enough difference you know we're talking a three percent decrease well, yeah it's a in huge, performance uh, you know that could that could make or break us well, that's it. And now, so we figured the best way to go about this was to basically take this series by series. So that was that was the overall um, halfway point and how we broke it down between the two coaches. But now we're basically just going to go back and forth, I think, looking at each team in the conference or the division and kind of give you that same style breakdown as well as how much we have left against them. So uh, do you want to take Calgary? Yeah, sure. So... Calgary overall, we've played them four times. Uh, we're one three and zero against them, um, so that's not a good series. <laughs> so, like I said, one win, three losses. We haven't uh, gone to over. We haven't lost in overtime to them. Uh, we haven't gone overtime at all with Calgary. Mm -hmm. They've always been very low scoring defensive games, so I'm kind of surprised. But you know, we got two out of eight possible points there. That's twenty five percent. That's you know very very low. Uh, breaking that down even more, uh, going to the home games. So. At the Bell Center, we're one and one. Um, you know that first game against Calgary uh, in late January. That was uh, our first game was home, uh, coming off of uh, a Vancouver game. So you know that was our first win. So we haven't won against Calgary since. So at home, we have two of four possible points, fifty percent away. Um, so when we traveled there, we are zero and two. Uh, so obviously zero out of four possible points. Uh, and in terms of games left, we have five games. So we have two home games and three away games uh, with us performing against Calgary much better at home. So we're going to have to kind of pick up the, you know, the away. I, I mean, just generally against Calgary, it's bad. But yeah, I'm saying like, like just, a, we need to figure out their defense and their yeah. goaltending because it's always those boring games. Yeah, I wasn't going to say like we need to figure out how to beat them away because like we don't really beat them at no, home. No, of course, either. we're That's one it. one. It's not exactly a and, huge difference, but... Um, and know, I think it's significant to talk about the performance overall versus home and away because we do know, you know, there's going to be differences between home and away games in terms of just total numbers. And yeah. so as we're going to see later, we're like if we're going to make an assumption based on the first half, we're going to kind of allude to that. And it's it also is misleading to turn around and say, you know, we've gotten um, a quarter of the possible points. But it does give a bit of hope to say, oh, well, at home, we actually have split the games. Mm. But it's, again, then a little bit um, demoralizing to find out that we have more games on the road. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's it's all significant. So I mean, jumping off Calgary, we'll, uh, we'll stick in Alberta, and uh, we'll talk about Edmonton. So we're 2-1-0 for a possible four out of – so out of three games, we won two, we lost one. Um, that's two-thirds of the possible points, four out of six. Uh, at home – 
though we are 0-1, so we got no points there, and both of our wins came on the road. Now, this is what I was talking about with the games remaining. We have six games against Edmonton. Two will be on the road, where we've gotten all our points against them, and four will be at the Bell Center. And we know now with the postponing that there's a good chance that four games happen, including the one in Ottawa we missed as well, in five nights. So that's going to be a big chunk of points that we so far historically this season have not performed well in. So it's it's worrisome. (laughs) It is, yeah. Especially we played them when Dreisaitl and McDavid were dried up. Yeah, so we played Edmonton early on and, you know, that was when they really didn't have, you know, their kind of direction uh, set and now you know we're going into Edmonton with a team that has really locked it down and has really developed um, their play style and their offense is just absolutely incredible well I yeah mean, they had time to gel I mean Barry picked it up McDavid picked it up Dreisaitl picked it up they have Pugliarvi well, yeah, playing to say Barry role. picked it up is a huge yeah. understatement I well mean, compared like, to like the beginning of the season not compared yeah. to last year okay, yeah. but then also little things like Mike Smith stepping into yeah. that role like, it's like a just everything or something. they, they just had time to yeah something like that so they, well that's the thing with Edmonton it's always been the goaltending it's kind of been yeah. like that like limiting reagent well yeah it always yeah that's and it. now it's just you know he's playing incredible I don't know if it's sustainable like I don't know how good Mike Smith's going to be next year mm-hmm. but you know they only need one year to, to make a cup run right so right uh we'll see how that goes they're playing edmonton tonight which is uh, gonna be uh they're playing toronto tonight which is gonna be interesting yeah mike smith's a 2-4 and a 9-20 wow so you know he's playing well for them um in terms of you know and koskinen how's koskinen playing so koskinen has a 905 a little bit higher gaa but again like their goaltending has really shifted from you know it used to basically be how much can Dreisaitl and McDavid produce tonight? And hopefully that's enough to offshoot how crappy our, our goaltending and defense is. Well, that, that's it, right? Their, their game plan from the get-go when they got McDavid was we have the best player, so let's hope he can be the best player every single night. Yeah. Which he has been, basically, but especially with Dreisaitl too. And Nugent Hopkins kind of finding his role. Yamamoto, yeah, all these guys. Barry was huge. Yeah, Barry was a good pickup player. How many points he has? 22? 32. 32. 32 points. Oh my god, okay. It's 32 points in 35 games. That's, yeah. Yeah, so... That's that's great. And so, you know, it's, it's one of those teams where I think... I'm not saying we got lucky, because we do seem to have their number a little bit, but... Um, yeah, they are definitely yeah. firing on all cylinders. This is, this is a scary thing defensively, when, like, you have... You know, you have a McDavid, Dreisaitl, and, and Nugent Hopkins forward, which, like... You know, McDavid has 62 points in 35 games. Dreisaitl has 53 and 35. Nugent Hopkins has 26 and 35. But then you throw in their D, okay? They have a Tyson Berry who has 32 points in 35 games and a Darnell Nurse that has 26 and 35. Yeah, they're just... Everyone who has to play well is playing well. So it's just... That's a very scary team. And, like, uh, you know, I I think they're, uh, you know going to be a sneaky cup contender to i mean it's crazy to say sneaky and yeah, like how the team's the playing but players no one league. thought at the beginning of the league <laughs> no the, they, of the season that they were gonna be a cup contender. well it's hard because they had no depth and they had no goaltending but they have goaltending yeah, and, and barry's performance was kind of up in the air like, yeah because of toronto of year and, yeah yeah um okay well do you want to take ottawa yeah so ottawa um I think it's been one of the more interesting. Yeah, it's uh, a very teams. misleading series. Yeah, I think it's you know playing Ottawa this year has been, you know, probably one of the more interesting. Like I, there haven't been as many rivalries as I had predicted. Mm-hmm. You know, going into this season, uh, I mean, we still have a lot of games to play, and like you know, these games heat up more at the end of the season when yeah. like you're fighting for a playoff spot. But Ottawa has always been really fun games to watch. Yeah, uh, really and rough frustrating games and frustrating. <laughs> yeah, so. Jumping into the record, we're two one and two against them, so two wins, one loss, two overtime losses. Um, so we got six out of ten possible points, which is a sixty percent. Uh, right. Which that's the misleading part because I did not feel like we got the no, majority of the possible points. Yeah, I didn't feel like that either. But uh, breaking that down a little more, home we're one and one, so fifty percent, two out of four possible points. Away we're o one zero and two, uh, so that's four out of six possible points. Again, like overtime's kind of saving us here, so that's a sixty-seven percent. Imagine if we won more than one of our ten overtime games. Yeah, I know how high in the standings we'd be. Yeah. And then remaining, obviously, uh, five games, three home, two away. So, um, you know, home and away is kind of a, a little bit more even there. Uh, probably, you know, a lot of this probably has to do with the time zones. I mean, 
if you look at these teams, um, actually, no, it doesn't make sense. Not with no. us, but Not I mean, uh, going to the West, it makes yeah. sense. Um, but yeah, no, the tr- the Audible one's frustrating and also confusing because... That's like the one team we have to yeah, beat. Yeah, exactly. We have to beat them. It's also just like, why why can't you beat them? Yeah. Everyone else can beat them. You know? <laughs> like, it's like, it's so well, remember, I, I remember when we had lost two games in a row to them, and I think... I think they had roughly like 18 or 17 games played and they had three wins and yeah. two of them were against it's us like and one Detroit of them was against Toronto. all over again yeah. from last year where they had like six wins and four <laughs> were against us. I don't know what that is. But um, moving on to the Toronto series, I would say probably the most misleading. Yeah, because well, Toronto's, you know, I don't think it's any surprise. I, I mean, I, I think the league does it intentionally if they want to keep these rivalry games for the end. Of course. Because we always play Toronto in like a stretch at the very end. Mm-hmm. It might also just be logistics. We're kind of close by, but yeah. you know, we don't really get that with Ottawa. But, yeah, I was going to say we're closer to Ottawa. Yeah, but um, yeah, so it is misleading. I mean, we have a lot of well, games. Up well, in that's the, the thing. There. With Toronto, we're 1 2 and 1, which only gives us 37.5% of the possible points we could have accumulated. That's 3 out of 8. But the thing is, we are two losses at home, and we have one win and one overtime loss I on we the beat road. Them more than once. Nope, we've only oh, beat them once, and we've six more games against them: three home and three away. So we're splitting the home and away, and it you know we get all of our points. I mean, this is a common theme. If you look through, basically, unless you're the Calgary Flames, all of the points the Canadians get are on the road. We mm-hmm. we are not playing well at home. That's just, that's like a common, I'm, I'm noticing a trend with them. So, you know, Toronto's going to be a big one. I think we do tend to step up, but it's, it's one of those things where like, I, they either sneak away with one or we blow them out. You know what I yeah, mean? The it's thing never... with the Habs, and I think what's been punishing us a lot in the last few years is we do that thing where we'll stoop down to Ottawa or Detroit's level, mm-hmm. and then when we play the big teams, we'll step up. Yeah, we play to the but a lot of the time, though, it's not enough. Like, you, like you can, you know, you can step up to to play Tampa Bay's intensity, but we don't have point. We don't have Stamkos. Well, like that's it, it. We don't have that. So game like, breaker. well, yeah, we can bring that fr- that that ferocity and that that ferociousness and the forecheck that we love to see the Habs, but Habs do. But you know, a lot of the time, like Toronto's a good example. Like, that's just a very very top heavy team yeah uh and you know we can forecheck and and play you know that hard canadians hockey all we want but sometimes it's just not going to be enough like sometimes talent just beats it and um you know that's why these games against the ottawas and the detroits like these are games that you have to seal because like you know even if like you know toronto i wouldn't even say so much but if you looked at edmonton you know on paper that's just a better team than us okay like it's just a better team so even if we do play up to them you know, we can't expect more than going 50-50 with them. Exactly. And yeah. having, I think it's important to note that, like, having depth is important. Because I'd say we're but a better team But relying on your depth is not yeah. a big, you you can't rely on your depth. You need it to be able to catch you because, I, I look, we have probably one of the best bottom sixes in the league, if not the best. And the problem is, like, we don't have a strong top six. So, yeah. sure, the bottom six gets it, but there's still a bottom six forwards. Like, we forget. It's not like... We have, like, uh, you know, Sidney Crosby on the third line. We're like, oh, because he gets bumped down the roster. It's yeah. like, no, our players are, like, you know, the top of the bottom tier of those guys. Yeah. So it's like to turn around and say, yeah, that's an argument. It's like, fine, yes. But at the same time, like, they still have Austin Matthews, who was on a 50 goals and 50 games pace at one point. Yeah. We don't have that. You know, Toffoli was, obviously, he's scoring a lot. But right now, we don't know the status of his injury. Yeah. At, but the idea is, like, it's like... Matthews, it's it's expected of him. Toffoli was a pleasant surprise. That's the thing. It, it, you know, when I, I was going to say we don't have, you know, depth is all is great, and I love our depth this season, but it can't come at the expense of, like, holy crap, who's going to score tonight? Exactly. You know, and, like, a lot Win of people... Committee. Exactly. A, a lot of people will say, like, oh, well, Tyler Toffoli will, but, you know, Tyler Toffoli's having an incredible year, a honestly statistical fluke like the guy's very talented but he's not going to reproduce this year after year we've discussed this before As he so there is uncertainty there because you know when he has 18 goals you have to ask yourself like okay like when's this guy going to drop off mm-hmm. and you know you so when he goes into a game yeah he he's not a, sh- a certainty because yeah. like he's performing way above his 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 level so you know you can't expect Tyler to fully to score because well, he's. You you have to ask yourself like when is this craziness gonna end? And like you know it could end on games that we need him to score, 
uh, where that doesn't happen with Austin Matthews, that doesn't happen with Connor McDavid, that doesn't happen with Dreisaitl. Um, well, it's the difference between getting lucky and being the guy. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what it comes down to is you don't have that game breaker. And I, it's, you know, it, it's, again, it's nothing inside like when we fully. Need, like when we need a goal, I, I, I don't know who that is on the No, house. and like, like I, some people, you know, instinctually say Gallagher. And it's like, no. Not really. He's yeah. not. He'll get you a lot of goals, but he's not the guy you put out there to score he's not he's not a weapon on the ice that's the thing it's like when you need a goal on the power play like austin matthews at the top of the circle like he'll score like he'll honestly just score the goal whereas you know we don't really have that on the halves like we have a lot of guys who who produce but we don't have that like okay we're in a funk right now we need to break out of this alex ovechkin just go do it that's it you know and like i don't know i don't know if that'll come like in the foreseeable future so we need to figure out a way to keep our intensity up because you know, we win through intensity and we win through like heart in our depth. But the problem is, is like we can't, we don't have the talent on our team to be inconsistent. That's the thing. It's, it's, we're, we're, look, we're turning the corner because I think when they hit maturity, Kotkin, I mean, Suzuki will be those guys in terms of consistency. I, I really do believe that. I think Kotkin, I mean, Suzuki both. Hopefully it's Caulfield. Well, well, that's in terms it, of like, yeah. in terms of like the guys, power. it's like we need a goal. Like hopefully that's coffee. Well, that's the end. I'm, no, I, I I'd be fine with this guy getting fifty points a year and like thirty five goals. Like I'd yeah, be well, yeah, like a pure sniper basically, and I, I would hope more even. I don't want a passer. Like no, I, I don't want to see, and I he's not. Yeah, no. But I'm just hoping that we don't put him in that position. Well, that's it, and so yeah, I mean. Well, uh, I'll, I'll actually, I want you to do the Winnipeg one because you, you have a lot about Winnipeg. I just want to bust through the Vancouver one. So we're actually done our games with Vancouver. Um, we're 6-0-3. So we had 3-0-1 at home and 3-0-2 on the road. So it was probably our most consistent and you know solid performance was against Vancouver. We got 15 out of possible 18 points, 7 at home, 7 on the road. Uh, sorry, 8 on the road. And so... Um, you know, there, there really wasn't that much to complain. We Basically, we got ourselves a point in every single game yeah. with obviously the majority coming from just straight wins. Now, um, well, that'll be seen uh, soon if those overtimes were crucial or not. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I, there, there wasn't much I wanted to say. I, I mean, Vancouver's yeah, on the Vancouver, outside looking yeah, in. I think, not much to talk about. That. I think it is good, though, that they've been having good performances against other teams, but overall they haven't played well. We talked about it at the beginning of the season. They were they were really having a hard time just on paper, and it's it's showing now. Yeah. So um, yeah, take Winnipeg. Yeah. So uh, Winnipeg, you know, we're two one and three against them. This is just a frustrating team that yeah. we've been playing this year. Like it's just, it's, it's one that of those three. It's, it's always that, three. that yeah. It's that it's that team where they're you know they're not you know top tier, but they're just below top tier. Um, they're a B plus team. Exactly. So they're one of those teams that like. You know, the Habs will jump up to play the Tampa Bays. They'll jump up to play the, the Bostons, the Phillies, the, you know, the Torontos, the, you know, these guys. But, you know, when you get to those B-plus tier teams, uh, it, it's, you don't know what you're getting with the Habs. And this is clearly something that's happened with Winnipeg. You know, we're 2-1-3, and three, 7 out of 12 possible points. That's 58%. Um, at, uh, you know, pretty consistent at home on the road. Just you know, far less games at home. We're oh. We're one zero and one, so three out of four possible points, seventy five percent. Away, we're one one and two, so that's four out of eight possible points, fifty percent. And we have three home games left, so you know if you if you do the math on that, that that looks good. But again, really small sample size, and um, you know very frustrating team to play against. Like even just in terms of like stuff on their end, on Winnipeg's end. Their goaltending against us this season has been very inconsistent. Yeah. And, like, you don't know what you're going to get. Like, are we going to get, like, a shutout Hellebuck? Or are we going to get a Hellebuck four goals and nine shots? Yeah, where we run them out of town, And it, it's annoying because there's already a, you know, a question mark with the Habs in terms of, like, oh, how are we going to play tonight? You know, yeah. and I don't think you get that with many other teams in the... Well, that's, in that's the something North you've division. mentioned it before too. There are some nights where we have the perfect storm of like the Canadians are on and the other team is off, yeah. and that's when we see those seven-one wins. And then the next game, the Canadians are still on, but so is the other team. So it's like yeah. two to one. But you see it, you see it with other teams, but just like to a much lesser yes, degree. Yes, less, like, it's less more jumping up and down yeah. the scale. Like I find with us, it's you know some teams like let's take um, you know Toronto for example. Okay, 
some nights, you know, uh, and this kind of goes with just fatigue and stuff, but, mm -hmm. you know, maybe the Matthews line's a little more quiet, you know, a little more quiet for them is like a point or two, mm -hmm. right? So they're a little bit more quiet, but, you know, that doesn't say anything with the rest of the team, you know what I mean? Exactly. But with the Habs, for some reason, if our, you know, the Deno line's off, the entire team's off for well, some that's reason. that's it. Like, everyone plays like shit. Like, it's like, we're either all in it together or not at all, and... You know, that, that's good in certain situations, especially in the playoffs when, like, every game everyone's on because the stakes are so high. But when we need to win games, um, it's very frustrating because, like, we, you know, we just get killed by Ottawa some nights where, like, you know, we shouldn't be, like, our, you know, our our third and fourth line should be able to beat Ottawa. Well, that's it. I, I mean, now just tying all that back into, like, the season at a whole, um, we have nine overtime losses. And I think a total of 10 overtime games. But I'm going to focus in on the losses just for, you know, two seconds here. So I, I actually looked it up a little while back. On average, the Canadians, I would say, like from the eyeball test, I didn't calculate all hundreds, hundreds of years that we've been playing but uh, whenever overtime was instated. But I just basically kind of looked at all their records. And it was essentially like seven to eight, maybe nine overtime games per year on an 82-game uh, uh, schedule. Now, we're 9 out of... Uh, how many games do we play here? 14 plus 8 plus 9 is 31. 9 games in overtime is the equivalent total. to 24... We have 10 overtime games. No, I know. I'm, I'm just counting the losses. losses. Okay. That's equivalent to 24 yeah, that's nuts. overtime losses. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's insane. I know, like, that's... You're extrapolating numbers, so it wouldn't be the but case. But it's not a small sample. But it's that's what I mean. Thirty-one is like, games. That's, that's the thing. And, and then at a third of them, basically, we lost in overtime. Yeah. That is going to be the biggest factor this season, yeah. guaranteed. No matter what, if we win the cup or if we're, we don't make the playoffs, that's going to be the biggest thing that everyone talks about. I'm calling it right yeah. now. Now, the reason why we were throwing out all of these numbers, because I know that was a lot of percentages and a lot of home wins and away wins and records, is Using all those percentages, we made a kind of percentage-based final projection final for the Final projection without Eric Stahl. Yeah, or Cole Coffey. Yeah. But this is just assuming everything goes in terms of percent points the way it has gone. We calculate it up using all the home and away records and everything. And what happens is the Canadians end up with a record of... 23, 22, and 11. Oh. So that that's good for 57 points on the year and would be 50% or 51% of the possible points that we could get on the I'll season. Tell you what. If Mind we get you, we're at, we're at 60% right now. So the good times <laughs> have passed us by. I'll tell you what. If we get 57 points this season, I'll jump off the balcony. <laughs> and um, the big thing here is that we don't know because obviously this would take a lot of time to do each and every team, but I can say with some, some, uh, not confidence, but, uh, yeah, I'll go with confidence or, uh, you know, what's the opposite of reassurance? I have no idea. Anyway, uh, assurance. <laughs> yeah, uh, that that would not be enough to make the playoffs. Now yeah. that would be one of the biggest heartbreakers. Yeah. <laughs> The city's ever seen. I, I personally think Dom Ducharme would not come back. I think Mark Bergevin would be asked to step down, not yeah. fired. I think he would be asked to step down, which is fired. But yeah. basically, they don't want to fire him. Um, I think everything would be wiped. I think they'd bring a new guy in who probably would then do what Mark Bergevin did and clean house. <laughs> if you remember our Mark Bergevin podcasts, yeah. in the first year that he got there, he traded a bunch of guys away. He signed a bunch of guys long-term. Remember that magic number of six there? Yeah. He basically just he flipped the team upside down. Now, I don't think they're going to miss the playoffs. I really don't. I think there's too I think they're going to be better. Us and Calgary. Yeah, and I think they're going to be better than that projection because... This will bleed well into what we're saying because of the acquisitions. Yeah. Um, I think Tabolio will be healthy, which is important. And I also think that um, this is looking at it too much with like a doomsday device in terms of, I think if you did this for every other team, they would be in a worse position. Yeah. My, my concern is where we finish in the North 
playoffs rather than well, if we make the playoffs. Let's just take a quick tangent here, okay? Let's say, um, let's say the um, like the the standings stay roughly the same, okay? I think it's it's pretty safe to say, um, you know, Toronto is going to finish first in the division, right? Right, and I think it's also pretty safe. Edmonton in second. Yeah, I mean they're they're actually below Edmonton, below Winnipeg right now by yeah. one point. Same games played. Okay. okay, but I think Edmonton's on is just on getting up. better. Yeah, yeah. well, I that's think, the I thing. Think they Winnipeg's, had a very slow start. Yeah, they had a very slow start. So I think it's 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 quasi safe to say Edmonton's going to be in second. Okay? Right. Like you agree with that? No, I I okay. would I would be fine so saying it. So would yeah. you? Would you rather finish third or fourth, knowing that? Well, that's that's the thing. Is like like would you want to play Toronto first round? I I don't know because like again historically we played better against Edmonton. Yeah, see, I would rather play just before I let you answer that. I think I would rather play Toronto first. Just get it out of the way. Just because I think we would go into that. I think we'd go into the first round the hardest, just like we did with Pittsburgh. I guess that yeah, that's very fair. I and. The only thing is, then Toronto would also have that fire under them yeah. because they can, they like they criminally cannot get out of the first yeah. round. Ooh, like true. we've gone further good than point. they have in the last five years. Think about that. Yeah, that's a good point. That's the one that. thing is, yeah. and so imagine being like instead of playing Boston, now it's Montreal. It's, scary it's the too. same thing. It's scary too because you know, besides Winnipeg, because I don't think there's as much of a fire under them, but. It's scary because Edmonton and Toronto are also like in the position of if we lose the first round, we're screwed. Well, yeah, and here, here's my, here's like it's a bit of a hypothetical, but you, you can answer it. I think it's somewhat obvious. Over the past ten years, which team has been better overall, taking into account record wins, like Stanley Cup playoffs, Boston or Montreal? Boston. Yeah. Boston, right? Every single time Toronto plays them, it goes to seven games. Do you think Montreal yeah. is Boston? Boston just pulls it together because they're Boston. Yeah. Now, that being said, we they don't get that option anymore because of the new divisions. I just think it's it's very close. However, also it's important to remember that going into the playoffs, we've just played Toronto a million times. So we'll kind of have a better idea right going into the playoffs which team we performs we at least we did perform better against. Yeah. Um I can tell you this. If we play either of those teams we're gonna have to have to and anderson healthy i'll tell you what we need to have the tatar to know gallagher line play like like they are them. now yeah and like we need everyone to recently. step up yeah. absolutely everybody and you know what you know I, should we get into the acquisitions i think it'll come naturally yeah yeah okay because like it, it's gonna come we're gonna come back into the playoff kay. talk with it because i'm saying never mind cole caulfield i was gonna say let's start okay. with the bigger one yeah i think never mind cole caulfield i think honestly one of the biggest changes we're going to see with the Habs is Eric Stahl, okay? Like, this guy well, he's, yeah. is just an absolutely incredible hockey player. We're going. I, I'm predicting that we're going to see a Corey Perry, but times five magnitude. So, okay? the, the, I do have a couple questions that I actually Center role, have okay? Incredible face-offs. Is okay? it? Yeah, he's incredible face-offs. Uh, great special teams, okay? But also, this guy's just a winner. Okay, like this guy just well, has that, a winning that's mentality. the big thing I wanted to get into. And like you know him, can you? Would you play him with Perry? That's yeah, these are all things like I wanted yeah. to actually get into. It's just, yeah, like, just check his face off. Yeah, I'm gonna look it up now. My ass, but I'm pretty sure he's very good. Stats on the season, eh, forty eight. Okay, forty eight. But um, I'm gonna check him historically though, because I, I yeah, remember no, no, no go for it. Like, that's what I mean. I every I was gonna say he's also having bad points this season, bad plus wise. So let's just start first and foremost. We have to tap ourselves on the back here. So we had zero like professional sources for our Taylor Hall trade, where we said it would be Taylor Hall retained salary at about fifty percent with a uh, Jonathan Drun for a third and a fifth. The fact that Montreal then goes to Buffalo gets a 50% retained salary on Eric Stahl for a specifically a third and a fifth shows, at least to me, that like we know okay, um, what we're kind of talking about, which is nice. just jump in here quick. So going back to, he is a good face-off guy. So going back to 2012, I'll read off his recent stats, okay? 53, 52, 51, 52, 51, 53, 54, 51, 51, 49, then 48 point, uh, 48.01 this year. Yeah. Yeah, so he's so, a he's a he's a low fifties. Well, guy. yeah, but every and everything's been down this year. That's yeah, so he's, he's also a six solid, foot four, yeah. two hundred pound center. Yeah, so he's so going to be, be solid on yeah. the faceoffs. Um, you know, and you know, 
it's just when you watch the guy play, like it's just I just see Corey Perry, but That's just like it. to a higher magnitude. Well, he's, and he's healthier. He's healthier, and he I mean he is just a better hockey player. Yeah. He's he's just overall he's been better. Um, yeah. just finishing what I was saying there. So yeah, it's nice to see that like we kind of had a good inkling of like where the Canadians' mindset was, and like you know it's it's we're not we're not exactly like looking into a like a crystal ball here. I looked at Buffalo. I said what rounds are they missing, and I picked yeah. those. Two. I mean it's also. It's also important to play devil's advocate a little bit here. Like, we're talking Eric Stahl at Taylor Hall. You know what I mean? No, I, I, yeah. I understand. I just mean, like, I had a feeling with in terms of who would be a seller. Yeah. I'm saying, like, it was it was just... It's nice to see when your predictions at least come off oh, like somewhat. Oh, Buffalo, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. to be like, oh, it's Buffalo, a third and a fifth. They'll yeah. have to retain salary. Like, we kind of got, like, the uh, like the foundation of that yeah. trade, right? We just maybe got the players a bit wrong. Yeah. But I thought you were saying like it's about an equal deal. No, no, no. I'm saying did. like uh, like good on us for yeah. for kind of getting. I'd, I'd call that like three quarters of a the prediction. The team with the 18 game losing streak isn't selling. Are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I so hope they that. make it to 30. That'd be incredible. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, yeah. Also, it's it's just it's nice to note that Eric Stahl had uh, the Canadians on his no team on his no trade clause at the beginning of the year. But then that was also, it came out that basically that was just due to the Canadian uh, quarantine. Yeah, every Canadian team was on Exactly. Like, they, this, the this the media like conflated media it to like basically and inflated to uh, to basically sound like he didn't want to come here. And then how bad Buffalo was, he settled for Montreal. That wasn't it. He's like, he didn't want to move his family around too much. He, you know, they stayed yeah. in Minnesota. They didn't even come with him. But uh, he just basically said, like, yeah, once it was reduced, that's a big difference. I'd love to play in a Canadian market. Like, everyone's just going to welcome him here. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's like, a historically known Canadian killer, which is weird. Yeah. It'd be kind of like having, like, a member of the Leafs come over. Yeah. But overall, like, this is what I have my big question. What do your lines look like? Just ignore ignore the signing that just happened. Just assume you just have Eric Stahl coming in. Oh boy, yeah, this is a like a bit of a difficult thing going on. We, you know, like let's just start with the centerman, make it easy. So you have four. You have yeah, I'm gonna Deno, say... Suzuki, Kotkaniemi, and Stahl. What's the order? Well, I I'm not even sure if uh, they'll all play center. Okay, is the thing. I I think Kotkaniemi might play wing. Okay. Um. Yeah. Obviously, Deno's not going on the wing. Uh. I don't. Suzuki's not going on the wing, and I also can't see Eric Stahl playing fourth line center. Okay, so, so what what's your order then? Uh, is where where does Deno fall? Let's start with that. Deno, I think, will keep his second line role. Okay, so with, then your first Tartan stays with Gallagher. Suzuki. Yeah, first stays with Suzuki, and then I see Stall on the third with Kotkaniemi. Kotkaniemi and who? Armia. Okay. Or, so let's. Oh no! Because we also have to throw in Caulfield. This here. is what I mean. Well, well, well. That that's the thing is like us. We know Caulfield's not going to the AHL. Yeah, we know he's in the AHL, so we can ignore him for now. He's going to the AHL. I do you think he's coming? I think he's playing. I think he has to play. I think I he's mean, going to the AHL for maybe five games. Yeah, I think it'll be to get him used to professional hockey. They might yeah. play him until I don't know how it works with um, how many games you have to play to be eligible for the playoffs. Yeah. But I feel like they'll push it to the maximum plus one in case he gets hurt. Yeah. But um, I think we'll see him in a Canadiens jersey this year. They wouldn't have signed him otherwise. Yeah. You know, he's not signing to play in Laval. Yeah. But uh, I think it'll be a good transition. I, You know, you and I have the same similar feelings. There are some players that develop better away from the yeah, AHL. he's not one. He's not someone who would de- I see developing well in the AHL. But, for example, someone like Paling... Has been having a great year in the mm-hmm. AHL. That that could transition to being a decent yeah. NHL centerman because he's just he's having a good year there. Yeah. Um, okay, so like going back to the lines. Yeah, it's a ignore little Caulfield for now. That's what I'm saying. Okay, so it's very tricky. Like I, I there's no I actually, like, obvious I answer here. Basically, write this down as we go. Um, there's no obvious answer here. I mean, you know, Kotkaniemi's a great centerman, but I just don't see you taking Stahl off center. You're not taking well, Deno off center. I mean, and he I, has played wing before, yeah, but, but I know what you mean. You brought him in to be a centerman. Yeah, especially with the way our faceoffs are going with with our team. Like, you know, Suzuki's very low. I, I believe Kotkaniemi's still not great. Um, I'll double-check that. Deno's obviously fine, um, but, you know, he also is just a better centerman. Right, and um, then what do you do with Jake Evans, basically? Well, Jake Evans, I think, still just gonna, you know, captain the fourth. That's just, I mean, if you had those first four playing center, like then you're bumping Evans out of the spot. Yeah, but so I, I'm yeah. saying I agree with you. So Kotkaniemi, you know, on paper is a few percentage points on faceoffs below Eric Stahl, but like realistically, he's he's not. 
You know I mean? Right. Like, like Eric Stahl's a far better face-off guy. Yeah. Um, you know, he's just, you know, with with how bad Buffalo's playing, like I'll I'll, I'll notch off a few percentage off Eric Stahl there. Right. But, um, you know, and. Uh, okay, yeah, wait. Just before serious. before I say anything, am I missing anyone here? Left wingers: Tatar, Druin, Lekkinen, Byron, Toffoli. I don't no, think I'm missing good. anyone. Yeah. Centerman, we have T- uh, Dano, Suzuki, Kotkaniemi, Stahl, and um, Evans. Evans. And then right wing, Gallagher, Anderson, Armia, Perry. Am I missing anyone? No. I don't think I am. Okay, yeah. so now let's basically... We're obviously get... ignoring like Froelich and everything. And... That's what I'm saying. Yeah, guys who have played already. Yeah. I don't think Michael Froelich is going to be our no. lord and savior this year <laughs> like we thought. Um, okay, so let's just put these guys... We won't put the lines in order. We'll just yeah, put we'll just guys... say, like, our, so our, our definites. Uh, Tatar, Dano, Gallagher sticking together. Yeah, right? keep that there. I personally assume that Druin's sticking with Suzuki and Anderson. Yeah. I don't I don't see, a, like, any sign that that's going to change. Yeah. I don't agree with it, but I don't see it changing anywhere. Now, um, what could be interesting... Is if you want to put Stahl here on the third line center, you could play Kotkaniemi on the left wing and Toffoli on the right wing as yeah. a third line, and then you have two guys basically who can pull the trigger. Obviously, oh, I said Armia. I, I completely forgot about Toffoli. Well, that's yeah. it. I'm assuming he's going to be healthy and he'll be on his strong side. So then Kotkaniemi doesn't play a fourth line role. And then basically what you're left with is okay, we said Evans what hand in the is middle. He shoots left. Shoots left. Nice. He's just he was a center slash left and, wing. And uh, uh, his Tafoli's um left handed shot, right? He's a right handed right shot. shot. Wow. Yeah. So it worked out well. And I, mean, I was just gonna say because it'd be nice if Tafoli was actually on his offhand, but yeah. But it's important to note too that uh, Kotkaniemi, when we were looking at him as you know before he was playing for the Habs when he was in Finland, mm. um, people were citing his you know his offensive numbers, his best offensive numbers came when he played as a winger hmm. so that's where so now we have our left wing fourth line and our right wing fourth line and we have two options each so you have lekin or byron on the fourth line um you know it's kind of tough you know what i'm gonna put them both because yeah, i feel like we swap, swap them, in. them in and same thing goes for armia and perry yeah i think we just keep swapping them in like that and, like, there's your lineup. Like, we we got every player. I don't know how the cap works. I'm sure Bergman has some stuff to do. But um, that makes sense to me. And well, yeah, I mean, that, that's, a, that's like, a fantastic That, that third line of Kotkaniemi, Stahl, and Toffoli, yeah. that's going to produce a lot. I mean, Toffoli went off when he was on the third line playing with Armia and Kotkaniemi. But I also think a very big part of this is... Um, that goes back to that, like, attack depth. Yeah, but that has, that's a big line. Like, think about, that. that's what I was going to say, yeah. is these two right here, Kotkaniemi and Stahl, are both hybrid players. They're both, he- well, Stahl's bigger, but Kotkaniemi is actually, I think he ha- he's heavier now. 205, let's say. Yeah. Stahl's- but I'm saying Stahl's a just shy of 200, but he's tall. That's oh, right, I mean. yeah. I, think, I was thinking yeah, of I- Jordan. Oh, yeah, no, Jordan yeah. Stahl's a fat <laughs> he's he's the fat stall. Um, Eric Stahl, just by I mean the score because we have it right here, but they they all use the same data there. But yeah, this oh okay, well this actually has him at six four two oh five two. Yeah. Well, it says two oh seven, but I'm yeah. rounding. So he's he's bigger than I thought. Yeah. I thought he was about one ninety five. Okay. But that's good. You know what? That's a big. At dude. least he's look. This is the way I look at it. At least he's bringing our average weight up. That's it. You know, and not keeping it like roughly well, at that one ninety five. That, that's it. And I and I'm saying like these two can swap. Where basically, let's say Stahl's having a rough fa- uh, face off yeah. game. You put him on the wing. All of a sudden, you have a six foot four, two hundred and five, two hundred and ten pound winger yeah. with Kotkaniemi. That's also someone who, like, I would really like Kotkaniemi to learn from. Yeah, you know, we're, I don't think he and Suzuki have a very similar play style. No. Um, and then, like you were mentioning, this is important. So now, Kotkaniemi, Kotkaniemi's gonna have to learn to get a, away with a lot less talent than Suzuki. Like, it, it's hard it. to relate. You know, I mean, it would be like learning. It would be like learning. Um, you know the center position from like a like a very talented centerman like well, not a, not even a Crosby because like Crosby also has like that work and I feel like he's also just a fantastic teacher. Well, yeah, no, no. But, but like that's... I'm trying to think of like a pure like just talent like a Connor McDavid. Yeah, you know what I mean like it's just you're not really learning from that Elias guy. Elias Pettersson. Yeah, Elias Pettersson. It's like that guy. Those guys rely on pure talent. Yeah, know? but obviously they have hockey IQ through the yeah. roof. But like I know what you but mean. But talent, it's, that's part of the talent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I just um, mean like it's not so much of a guy that's. 
you know like a good example of that on the wing would be like a jamie ben like that guy's like right he's not like purely talented no i mean like he you could tell he's like really worked on gallagher. his game like a gallagher yeah. yeah so this is also important because with the acquisition of eric stall we now have stall to foley and perry quick little uh pub trivia here what do those three players have in common Wait, say that again? Toffoli, Stahl, and Perry. What do they all have in common? Toffoli, Stahl, and Perry. I'll give you a hint. It's nothing physical. It's they bring one thing specific, and Mark Bergevin specifically went after these guys for it. Goals? Oh, yeah, they, they, they've won. They all have a cup ring. These guys, and Bergevin talked about it literally like in his press conference saying like we're not doing this as a fluke we're bringing in a lot of cup winners Edmondson won the cup Allen won the cup uh Perry Toffoli Stahl I, I feel like I'm forgetting someone else um Edmondson, uh, no anyway all these guys won the cup I mean Eric Stahl and Corey Perry are both part of the triple gold club yeah. which is a stat for those who don't know a Stanley Cup a World Cup and an Olympic gold it's so like these guys just know how to win, you know, and like that's something that is like how we've dis- described Carey Price. He's won everything a goalie can win except for the Stanley Cup, and I think this is Bergevin's real attempt to just bring in as many winners as possible. It's a it goes back to his you know um, his attitude mentality, but it's also like it's Eric Stahl, you know. It's like yeah, sure he's thirty six, but two years ago he had forty, 40 yeah. yeah, in like in sixty something games, yeah. No, he's gonna go off. I'm telling you, like I have a very, very good feeling about this. Where and I'm, I think and I'm, he's gonna... You know me. I'm very. I'm usually very hesitant with this stuff. I know, but but do you know where I think he's going to be the most effective? Where power play. I think that six foot four frame in front of the net, digging away at pucks, and yeah. playing that low zone area. Now all of a sudden, you don't have to have guys like Armia playing that role. Yeah, so like last year he had 20 goals in 66 games. That's what I mean. So it's, like, he's you know. not he's not slowing down, but it's I would be shocked if he maintained pace in Buffalo. No one has. Yeah. If the the people who criticize his play this year, he had 50 points last year in I 66 know. games. I yeah. know. He had 50 points. It's insane. And like he's he's not a young guy, but he's also like, you know, Bergevin always says it. He's in great it, shape. And yeah. and this is how Bergevin always says it. He's not 25, but what he lacks in years, he makes up with experience. Yeah. That was he's I, he must have said that four hundred times in the uh, press conference that he had when acquiring him. Yeah, Eric we're also Stoll, like we're also like career wise talking about a guy that has a thousand thirty one points in twelve hundred fifty. I games. know we're, like, we this is a hall of famer yeah. we just acquired, and we also have a good um, I don't want to say record because it hasn't been that long, but we just we have a good streak of kind of boosting veterans. Oh right yeah, now. look at yeah, Kovalchuk. Yeah. Look at I mean Radulov wasn't a veteran, but you know what I mean. Yeah. We, we, we kind of, like, we regenerate these guys a little bit, and it seems to just, they, they seem to thrive. Look well, at I think the, it's because we put faith in them. Like, that's you, it. You know, like, look at the relationship. They're not an afterthought. Exactly. Look at the relationship with Bergevin and Kovalchuk. Well, that's it. You know what I mean? Like, you speak to these guys like they're actually an integral part of the team, and you don't kind of brush them aside like Joe Pavelski with San Jose. Right. Which and is all why sudden, I, I wish we offered oh Chara something. Oh, God. Chara or Pavelski. Like, Pavelski, like, I'm not even going to pretend like Pavelski. Like, <laughs> I didn't even think Pavelski was going anywhere, yeah. so... There's that. And, okay, so that basically solidifies that. And now the big thing is the kids here. <laughs> uh, Cole Caulfield signs his entry-level deal. I just don't know where he's going to play. Um, that's the thing. I don't know if he'll play anywhere in this lineup. I, that's why I'm saying, like, I'm hesitant to say that he'll play on the Habs. I believe he will, but I... just I, don't... I, I don't know why now you sign the guy. Like, obviously, he needed to finish his, his, uh, his season and yeah. stuff. But I don't see... You know, with with the way the world is right now, like I don't know why if it wasn't so urgent that you wouldn't just wait till the next season. Like it just so here's here's my one thought on that. I think that means Toffoli's a lot more hurt than we think. Oh, that's that's what I think, and like that's where my mentality goes because, um, we wouldn't have done that if we didn't need to replace a winger, because, you know, I I don't see any other explanation. Yeah, Do you know so what I mean? The most recent update is Toffoli won't play Tuesday. Okay, so, so that's you know that means now he's out over for a two week. Weeks. Yeah. yeah, it's a serious enough one that maybe they're covering their bases that way. It also could mean that there's a trade in the works. So you could see a Druin go. You could see 
you know, someone go. I think Druin's probably the most likely candidate in terms of, like, if Caulfield's going to replace someone. Okay, so on uh, CBS, they're they're saying that Toffoli hasn't started skating yet. Yeah, although okay. you have to understand no one's, no one's skated. Yet. No one's but, allowed. But, and more importantly, seven days ago, they said Tyler Toffoli will miss the next three games. Yeah, that was, but that was before the lockdown. No. No? No. Okay, because when that came out, that was that was like they said he'll miss all. He won't travel to the three games in Edmonton. I remember that being. Hold on. Anyway, while you're looking up, I'm just gonna basically like reiterate to just the people listening, like this is all like you know hearsay. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Okay, so th- that's what I mean. Like, seven I, I hope he's not gonna miss. Was the, was the lockdown only seven days ago? Yeah. Oh, it, yeah, yeah. It's a yeah, thing. It's been Monday, one yeah. week officially. Our, yeah. Our last game was supposed to be last tuesday exactly yeah but either way it does it doesn't mean that there's anything good because if he needed the week off he would have been ready they would have said like he's healthy he's good to go i think he's hurt like more than they want to say because i think one with the trade deadline of nice things (laughs) Um, no i i know it's well, it's it's that's the thing is like we what find happened to him? we find a no, nice seriously. well we find a nice thing and then we work it into the ground. But like what the hell happened to him? I have no idea. I don't, I can't even think of a play that I was like ooh that must have hurt. I really don't remember. I, it's, I like I you know if it was like an Aaron Eckblad style thing where I was yeah. like no no like his knee fell off. Yeah. Um, that'd be one thing. But no, this was kind of like they announced it and I was like oh he's gone. Both are big I acquisitions. Swear Anderson better not go down. No, I I don't think that's gonna happen again. Just like. But you never know. Um, <laughs> no, I, th- I think the big thing right now is, yeah, if we're speculating on Caulfield, it's one of two things. He's replacing Toffoli, which would be, like, in my head, the most logical because, like, who else would re- be replacing a goal scorer? Yeah. Is your your primetime goal scorer of the future. And two, like, I mean, would you be totally against him? Our goal scorer of the him? future that will get two goals this season. But that's what I mean. Because he's developing. Not because well, he's bad. Well, Let me reiterate. He could also turn around and put in eight goals. You know, yeah, like, uh, it, yeah. it, it could happen. We don't know. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like. Probably not. <laughs> but what happens if he does play on that third line instead of Toffoli and you have Kotkaniemi, Stahl, and Caulfield? He could very well end up putting some pucks in the net. Well, what would you do if we play this guy and he absolutely just, like, there's no chance he's not getting 45 goals a year? Well, there, that's what I'm saying. Like, like I, I'll, oh I'll order God. the jersey tonight. I, I, I'd order the jersey, but I'd also be like, why are you 165 pounds? Well, that's like, the I, thing. I, I, and, I, and I say that not in a, in, a, in, a, in a condescending way. I just mean that, like, that means Bro, he's going to get yeah. injured. Like, well, I, thing. like, if he gets hit... Like if he gets well, hit I know. by like he's, he's my height and I almost like like I well actually I do I have over a hundred pounds on the yeah. guy I like I and you know all this... the fans are like Jesus Christ <laughs> <laughs> no but the thing is though is like that that's a scary place to be as a sniper well that's the thing you know? is like you don't want a not... young sniper that's one hundred sixty five pounds like that's a that's scary the thing point. I I want to see how he plays with that one sixty five because I think of Godro versus then, yeah, I think of Byron I was gonna think that too I was gonna say that too like how often has Godro been hurt. Yeah, not really. And how often does Byron go down? Once in his yeah. career, so and he know, hits hard. So yeah. we'll, we'll see. It, it comes down to kind of like that that adage of like the the dog and Even the fight and the fight and the dog and all that. Yeah. Well, that that's it. So like it's it's not that he has to be you know two twenty five. No, no, I just I mean, just like, I would like seventy five one eighty would be like better. Him, yeah, I would like him to get out of like the, the like, where I start to two hundred. <laughs> I, I you know I'd like to see him be out of the like. The range Children's where weight? I'm, I'm kind of like you know I was that in grade seven. Well, that's it. I, I want to look up Debrinket here. Uh, according to this, Debrinket's exactly size five seven one sixty five. So look, well again, we'll this, see. We'll, yeah, we'll see. see. I don't want to start already it. writing him off and that he's getting hurt. Um, but yeah, that that could be potentially. But I'm excited for Stall. You know, we have that crazy good one power play line there. Mm-hmm. Stall and Caulfield could run the other one. I well, that's it. That. It's it's just it's a big boost of offense. And it shows that, you know, Bergevin, like us, is seeing that, like, defense wasn't the issue. It was scoring. He just brought in what could have the potential to be one of the top goal scorers in the NHL and a prolific, historic goal scorer. And, you know, you had cup experience, size, goal scoring. Who is literally just going to teams based on a win now mentality? Well, that's exactly he wants, it. He wants to win one more time before he retires. And I know, I know you don't like this stuff as much because you don't think it like, you don't see the value in it as much. But I, I do place a lot of value on this too. He's, you know, in that exact same age range as Weber, 
price. Yeah. Um, he grew up, like, he literally, he talked about the World Juniors. He talked about the Olympics. Like, he's he knows Weber and he knows Carey Price very well. It's, it's easier to integrate like that. I'm trying to think if there's any other... Oh, Corey Perry. What am I saying? Yeah. Those three guys apparently already... Like, he, he texted them. They texted him the second they found out. Um, That's good. You know, he pulled the old Marco Scandella, and he drove from Buffalo straight here. Yeah, nice. I, oh, I couldn't imagine how happy... You know, you remember at the end of Breaking Bad when Jesse Pinkman gets in the car and he drives away and yeah. he's crying? That must have... Like, out of joy, that must have literally been Eric Stahl leaving <laughs> Buffalo. Because, like, I, could, I just couldn't imagine being in that nightmare... Yeah, well, I mean, that anyone listening in Buffalo, <laughs> I'm sorry, but I, Not I'm, I'm sorry, gonna go one though. step further here. Just before you said sorry, but you know, never mind the team, just leaving Buffalo. Yeah, like, the Christ. city. On it. Well, no, yeah, that was yeah. It's yeah. I'd say the city's worse than the team. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's probably it is. God, I'll never understand how they had that that. Uh, remember those black and red jerseys with the buffalo on the oh, front yeah. that they called yeah. a goat. Yeah, like it's, like, not a goat. it's it's so dumb. Like it, like yeah. how everyone screws that up is just beyond. I hope yeah. I'm wrong because like it can't be just us. But it's like it's they play in like buffalo. Yeah, it's like a buffalo. <laughs> it's a buffalo. Yeah, like the, I know it's stupid. It's silly. But anyway, um, yeah, that'd be. I don't. Do you have anything else you want to? No, bring I'm just. Up? You know, I'm 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 excited. You know, and I'm a very cautiously optimistic guy. But I just have a very good feeling that Eric Stahl. Um, you know, I'm going to be cautiously optimistic with Caulfield because I think this guy, like, you know, whoever says this guy isn't high risk, high reward is out of their mind. I mean, like, this guy can either absolutely tear up the league in scoring or can just not be great. Well, this is the thing. <laughs> you know? there's, there's a reason why these guys fall, yeah. right? There's a couple of notable guys who fall like that. And sometimes it pays off, sometimes well, it doesn't. Well, yeah, sometimes it's a an example. Well, so, sometimes it's an Eric Carlson yeah. who was deemed as a bad skater and too small to play defense. Yeah. And then he goes on and he becomes one of the top defensemen for years yeah. and years and years. But, you know, same issue. Caulfield was deemed too small to play the position. However, you know what? His numbers went up this year in college. He's he's basically yeah. like gonna be. Uh, well, he's a finalist for the NCAA Player of I also, the Year. Like I don't I don't like that logic that scouts do especially on wingers it's like i think we have enough examples of it now working like we're not talking about a 160 pound centerman okay no, like, exactly we've got like know, we got godro we got to we got patrick kane and like this like, the thing on. this this ranges over 15 to 20 years this isn't a new thing there yeah. are smaller wingers who get by now one thing that i will marty say st. louis marty st louis exactly yeah. this is what i mean like these guys like it is fun i understand the league's getting bigger and bigger but i i I want to say it was Darren Dreger, but I forget who it was it's on TSN. Flows. I, I know I, I it's, it's like a prong. Well, right it's now. kind of like to to me the way I look at it, and you can tell me like you think this is stupid or not, but um, the way I look at it is like you know when you're in traffic and you stay in your lane and everyone switches over and then you have the clear lane. Yeah, that's what I think is happening. Is like every NHL team is let's say big and slow, and then one team is like small and fast and then they win the cup so every team shifts over and then it's like everyone's small so you, the team that actually wins is big and slow yeah, again and it's, it's like, like micro evolution exactly yeah. and so to me it's like yeah this is kind of like a weird transition time that we're in but we're also seeing like the peak of i mean every year ahead due to like technology is the peak of athleticism yeah exactly. so everyone's getting just bigger and faster and stronger yeah. and so like we'll, we'll have to see basically but the the big thing is is like I forget who said it on TSN, but it was along the lines of, if you're a scout, and this is very typical like uh, procedure of the scouts, and let's say it's your draft pick, and it's the fourth round, or something, it's random, and you're stuck between two players, and you have a guy Cole Caulfield size who could be like a potential superstar, or you have a guy who's six foot eight, but you know is going to be like nothing more than a fourth yeah. line center. They typically go to the six foot eight guy because it's like, oh, we can use him on the power play. Oh, we can use him here, use that. They they tend to trend to the size, which I I think as much as it's orthodox in its manner, like I I do think you need to get away from that. And I also, if I'm the head of scouting, I don't want them just looking at the height and the weight and being like that guy. Well, that's what I was gonna say. You know, I think it was less of Caulfield's size that displaced him and more of like, you know, that sub ten draft class. It's you know, above four and below ten, you're looking for guys that can play now mm -hmm. and who, like, you know what they're going to be. And, you know, I think in that below ten, above four, you had a bunch of guys that draft year that were just like, yeah, you know what, these are pretty sure picks and they're going to be good. Versus, you know, 
a Caulfield that you know didn't break the top five in scouting, mm-hmm. but is still He's high risk. Eighth, I believe, yeah, right? still high risk, high reward. You know that that that's an easily that's easily uh, you know explainable to why he dropped down to where he did. But you know I'm happy to I'm I'm very happy to take a high risk high reward pick at the at the level we had because well, that's it. You know we could have easily just taken a very you know like you know top six guy that's just not gonna be very impressive and well that's it and if we're looking at the draft here so plus like, do we need a top six guy right now no. exactly um so jack hughes capo caco kirby doc bowen byram and alex turcott those are the top five already a lot of questionable yeah, picks caco sucks i mean <laughs> turcott at fifth uh capo at two like i mean obviously these guys are probably gonna pan out but then if you no, look yeah, at six it. to ten let me just Take the gun out of my mouth. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Capo he doesn't suck. Okay. But I'm it's, just saying, like, I think in the grand scheme of things, he's going to be a disappointing yes, second overall. I agree. Okay. Because like, taking keep in mind, mind like, you, like Jack Eichel was... went second. Exactly. Okay. And Kotkaniemi went third. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, then six to ten. Moritz Sider, Dylan Cousins, Philip Broberg, Trevor Zegers, and Vasily Podkolzin. I'd say six to ten is a stronger group yeah. than one to five. Then you look at eleven through fifteen. Victor Soderstrom, Matthew Boldy, Spencer Knight, Cameron York, Cole Caulfield. These are all guys who did not play their first year. I mean, most of these guys didn't play their first year. The only two that played, uh, three, sorry, that played the first year was Hughes, Kako, and Doc. Top three. And that's because of the pressure of the fans at this point. Like, nobody lets their top three picks develop anymore. Yeah. And it's going to ruin guys yeah, like Capo Kako. Yeah. And, you know, Jack Hughes had a slow start. At least he's picking it up. But, you know, you're looking through, and, like, this was a draft where, like, the deeper picks, like, there's a lot of high-risk, high-rewards. You know who went right after Caulfield was Alex Newhook. Yeah. Alex well, Newhook. The great. only... But do you want to know why he fell so far? It was because of the league he played in. He wasn't playing in the NCAA. He didn't want to play in the OHL. To be, he's playing in the BCHL, mm-hmm. which is the British, uh, British Columbia Hockey League. And, like, that's not a high competition. So teams look at these things. Like, they, they look at your, comp- like your competition that you played against. And compare because like obviously if you know you put Jack Hughes and you put him in like uh, a non-competitive league if you go and you put him in like the third tier German league I guarantee you he's gonna put up like five hundred points. Yeah. But if you go put him in the OHL or the US program he still put up a crazy amount of points. But the idea is like you get a better sense of because these things are scalable. Yeah. To a certain degree. But so for Caulfield it was very frustrating because like he had only played one year in the US program. He had a great year. I think he was almost goal per game or a little more. But he had already committed that. I mean, those are the other factors with drafts. He had already said before the draft day, I'm going to university for at least a year. So you need to be a team that's willing to wait a year on him. So, you know, Buffalo taking Cousins and waiting a year because they weren't sure where he was going to play. Very, very different than because I used Buffalo because they were eighth. Very different from taking... Uh, Cole Caulfield at eighth, where they could, you know, you could make the argument for both, where say like, oh, they needed a, a power forward, big centerman, but they also needed someone at the time to put pucks in from Jack Eichel. Yeah. So, you know, there, there's obviously I'm not shitting on all the scouts in the NHL. It's a hard job and it's a team effort, and sometimes team efforts don't go well. Um, it's a very hard job. But, but at yeah. the same time, I think there are better ways to do it, and I do think that there are teams that do it better. Yeah. Colorado does it very well. They draft well. They know what they're looking for. Montreal, mm, yeah, not getting better, yeah. getting better. But you know, anyway, but that's yeah, for another I think, time. <laughs> you know, I think you know it'd actually be interesting to have a uh, a podcast looking at different scouting strategies from different teams. Yeah. I think we'll do that. There's also a cool thing if you ever looked at the trends of teams that draft positionally better. Mm-hmm. So like um, Nashville. Is just a gold mine of drafting defense. Yeah. Well, look at us draft goalies. Well, the, and yeah. I was gonna say Montreal knows how to pick goalies. That's exactly yeah. but, it. But you know, I think you know generally with, with. I mean, it's easy for me to say this. I've literally never s- scouted obviously yeah. in my life, but I think they focus too much on the intangibles in a sense. Like they look at they look at too many situational factors that don't really matter. Well, you know everyone's I mean? trying to be the scout that drafts. Uh, Gallagher in the fifth round. Yeah. Instead of trying to be the scout that knows how to draft fifteenth overall, which I yeah. think is harder. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Yeah. But anyway. Anyway, guys, we'll leave it there. We got a big game tomorrow, so um, catch us tomorrow night and uh, keep an eye out on the uh, your podcast app to uh, <laughs> to uh, uh, what we put put out this week because we might have a few special episodes. Um, so yeah, see you guys then. Thank you for listening to the Habs Puck Drop podcast. You can email us your thoughts, questions, and suggestions 
through our email at habspuckdrop at gmail.com or direct message us on Instagram at habspuckdrop. We'll see you next time.